Well, good morning. We are so, so glad that you've joined us here this morning. I can't tell if my mic's on, but I think I am. Can you hear me? We're all good there? Okay, great. Great, great, great. Well, I'm excited about this morning. Uh, over the beginning of our series, The Gospel of Christmas, we talked about hope in the first week and how uh, our source of hope is Jesus Christ. We discussed then how we've received love, which justifies us placing our hope in Jesus Christ. And today we talk about the response to experiencing that love. Now, uh, before we get started today, I do want to just acknowledge that all these things I'm talking about a lot of the time can easier be said than done. Okay. Um, I've been a weepy mess all morning. To just be honest with you, I'm struggling a little bit today. And I know a lot of you guys are too. Okay. There's a lot of people out there who's hurting this season. While one based in victory is also a season that reminds us of loss. It's a season that reminds us of heartbreak. It's a season that reminds us that we don't have sometimes what everyone else does. And I just want to recognize those of you that are struggling today and to tell you that it's okay to cry and it's okay to struggle because God is victorious. And yes, I'm a crybaby. I know it. But eventually I'll stop crying or I'll just cry throughout this whole thing. And that'll be interesting too. <laughs> you can tell your friends about it. Uh, so today we discuss the proper response to the show of love that Christ uh, brought for all of us when he came to this earth. Faith. Faith is the proper response to experiencing the love which justifies our hope. We're going to start in Luke chapter 2 today. We're going to start in verse 8 in chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is often referred to as the Christmas story. And we're going to begin with the shepherds. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So in order to really gain full understanding of what's taking place in this passage, we have to have an understanding of who these shepherds were, where they were, and what they were doing. What I want you to know, first of all, is that this passage that we find in Luke chapter 2 is yet another fulfillment of prophecy that happened years and years and years and years before. If we go to Micah, there's a tiny book in the Old Testament, but Micah chapter 4 verses 8, it says, as for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, your former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Jerusalem. Okay, that's going to be really important here in just a moment. And then in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, I can't read that next word, 
Ephrathataph. Uh, that can't be right. Though you are all, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins as from are from old, from ancient times. Okay, so there's two prophecies kind of back to back here that we find in Micah. The first is that kingship will return to Jerusalem. Uh, by the watchtower of the flock. And the second um, is that there will be a ruler over Israel who is coming to Bethlehem. Now, what does this have to do with the shepherds? And what does this have to do with Jesus? Okay, the shepherds from our passage were watching over a flock that would be used for temple sacrifices. In fact, this is the only time you would find a flock of sheep this close to a major city. Right, it's when they had sheep that were be used, being used for temple sacrifices. So that was the job of these shepherds. They were watching this flock, right, and they had all these responsibilities. They were with them twenty four seven. They slept in the fields next to them. They had to water them and feed them and fend off the wolves and and do all sorts of things to make sure that these sacrificial lambs would be well taken care of. Well, in Bethlehem, where this took place, there is a place referred to as Migdal Eder. Migdal Eder, which literally means tower of the flock. I think that's pretty cool. And this is where these shepherds would have been. This is where they would have been watching the sheep in the field below this tower, this watchtower that was there for the protection of the city and there for the protection of the flock and just for the people. And so it was here in Bethlehem that kingship would return to Jerusalem in the form of a tiny baby in a manger. The Jewish shepherds would have known about this prophecy, okay? Being Jews, they would have been well aware of their tradition. They would have been well aware of what was being taught uh, to them and what was kind of happening to them. But at the same time, you have to remember that as this host of angel appeared and as this angel first appeared to deliver this good news, what does it say? They were terrified. Literally, in the original language, they feared a great fear, They feared a great fear. So even with the knowledge of what was supposed to come, they are fearful at their first experience until they're told to to settle down. Calm down. I have a message for you. It is good news. It is great joy. It will be great joy for all the people who follow behind you. But it was common knowledge for Jews that Messiah would come from Bethlehem. And these these shepherds, uh, I cannot, what is happening right now? These shepherds, these shepherds shared in the hope of the Jewish people, a hope for salvation, a hope for restoration, and in response to their hope, they received a message of love, which I'll read for you again. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. You see, the presence of Christ on earth is love. The presence of Christ here on earth is love. But it's their response that we focus on today. See, upon receiving this message, even though when it first started to take place, they feared a great fear. It says that in verse 15, when the angels left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. How did they respond? Faith, blind 
faith. And I got to tell you, it would take a horde of angels for me to listen to such a message. Leave your post, leave your duties, leave your job, and just go find this random baby that you're going to find in a barn. And that will be your savior. Right? And you're like, all right, this guy's having a lot of fun at Christmas. Right? Like, settle down, fella. But just faith. They hear this message coupled with, yes, the knowledge of the prophecy from old, and, and they say, let's go. We're going to go. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Well, they were hoping for a Savior, and yet they had not seen Him, and they show faith by leaving, just going. They receive this message of love that their hope has come and they express their faith by seeking the presence of the Messiah. They just go. That to me is one of the most powerful passages there is in Scripture. They don't make plans. They don't call somebody up. They're not like, hey, Mahmoud. That probably wasn't a name they had there. Uh, Bill, that's also not a name they had there. But hey, hey, come. there's one. Hey, come, watch these sheep for a minute. We've got to go check something out that we heard about. No, they just go. Hey, let's go. We, we've got to go see. We've got to go know if this is really true. We have, to, we have to be aware of our Messiah. We have been told that he is present. They just go. God calls, they go. It would be so nice if the rest of us could just drop things, Right? If we could just drop things, if God would call and we would just say, here I am, God, send me. I'm going. But we just don't really work that way a lot of the time. It'd be great if we could get to that point, but we need things to work the way we need them to work, and we've got to have the plan, and we've got to have contingencies, and we need things set up, and we, we've got to just be sure, and, and, and God's calling us to, to come leave where we're at to find something better and, and we just struggle to do it because we are of little faith. And, and it's, it's not like that's unique to any individual. In fact, we find it opposite, right? When, when we see the opposite, we find that amazing. When we see a person of such faith, it blows us away because the majority of us, we're just not there. And so it's those people of, of supreme faith, those people of supreme belief that just really change our outlook on this world, that really make us step back and say, wow. But it shouldn't be that way. That should be what's commonplace. Christ has come to the world. Let's go see him. You see, when we experience the love of Christ, we must respond with faith. In Luke chapter 2, verse 17 through 18, it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Nothing, and I mean nothing in this world, says I believe more than sharing your faith, than sharing your belief, right? Nothing says, I believe more than your willingness to share. Like, it's one thing to think that the earth is flat, okay? I'm going to question your intelligence, 
just me personally. It's one thing to hold that belief. It's a whole other thing to share it with everybody else and tie your name to it, right? I'm Just hear me out. That's one of those things I probably keep a little closer to the chest, right? Some of us have some beliefs out there, right? Some of us are a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. You may or may not be looking at one. It's fine. It's one thing to think that these things are possible. It's one thing to think that these things are true. It's a whole other thing to put your name to it, Okay. So it's one thing for these shepherds to, to, to say, hey, this horde of angels just appeared out of nowhere and they told us about this little tiny baby that was going to be in this manger amongst the animals and, and he's going to be the, the king of the world. He's going to be the savior of all mankind. And, and, and we were told this message and we went and he was there and we saw him and we believe and now we're sharing it with you. And what is the response you would expect somebody to get? Okay, buddy, relax, Right? I mean, if somebody came to you today and shared a similar message, what would your thoughts be? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, they had a little bit more history to support them. They had a little bit more tradition behind their words. But this is a, this is a tall tale if it's not a true tale. But luckily for these shepherds, they had the truth and they had God on their side because everybody who heard their message stood in amazement. They were amazed by what they heard. Isn't that cool? Nothing says I believe more than a willingness to share. You know, to tell your story at the risk of, of being marginalized, to look at it as less than crazy. Crazy? How could you believe that? Are you crazy? Are you stupid? I cannot tell you how many times I've shared my faith with someone else just for them to look at me like I am the dumbest human being they've ever met in their life. And I'm a prideful person, so I have two responses. I'm usually like, you want to test intelligence out? We could do that, which that's not godly. And the other one's like, do you want to swallow your teeth? right? Also, not godly. Don't go for either one of those. But I'm just telling you, there have so many times in my life I've shared faith and it's just been like, oh, here's another one of those crazies, right? You're a hypocrite. You're an idiot. You're not intelligent. How could you think that? How could you possibly believe that, right? But that's a lot of what faith is, it is, is, is hoping even though we can't see is knowing, even though we don't have anything concrete that we can necessarily point to. And yet, we all have something concrete that we can point to. What a story the shepherds had to tell, but still, it was a story to tell. It was a story to tell. You, you, each and every one of you, have a story too of how you were introduced to Jesus and how he changed your life. This is the season to share. This is it. If you haven't done it before, the time is now. You have a story to share. Bring hope to this world. I want you to think about something because a lot of you guys are out there thinking right now, my story is not much to tell. 
or I don't possibly understand or know how my story can make a difference in someone else's life. I can tell them about Jesus, but I don't necessarily know the right words. What if I screw this thing up? What if if they think I'm crazy? What if they think I'm an idiot? What if I become marginalized? What if I lose friends? What if I lose status? What, 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 what What if I become like one of those others? And we think, I'll just keep my story to myself because I just don't think it's gonna make that big of a difference anyways. I want you to think about this. How fitting, how fitting for those who are watching the sheep, the lambs, who are going to be used for temple sacrifice, how fitting for it to be them, to be the first ones that were introduced to the perfect lamb of God. How fitting for them to be introduced to the one sacrifice that was going to be good forever and for always. How fitting. How fitting. These shepherds, they're not high in society. They don't have influence. They're not swinging political races. They're not changing lives. They're watching sheep. Look, sheep is pooping again. Look, sheep is eating again. Look, I haven't bathed in four days. I smell like sheep. (laughs) But here they are with this story to tell, a story so good that they just can't keep it to themselves. And this story is bringing amazement to others. This story is changing the lives of others. Not only were they first the first to be introduced to the perfect Lamb of God, but they were the first to evangelize about him. They were the first to tell the story that salvation had come, that hope was here, that love, true love, unconditional, perfect, forgiving, life-changing, saving love was here. They were the first to be able to tell the world about that. I bring all this up to say, don't you ever, ever discount your story. Don't you ever discount your story. You may tell it 10 times and it not make a difference. You may tell it 100 times and it not change a life. But maybe time 101, it is that story that changes everything for someone. You may not think that you have anything to offer others, but to someone, to someone, your story is the one that's going to change their world. It's going to change their life. There's something about you. There's something about your relationship. There's something about just, there's something about you. And that something is God. That is Jesus Christ. There is something about you as an individual that is going to be life-changing for another individual. And you may tell your story time and time and time and time again and never see the benefits. You may think that it isn't bearing fruit. But maybe, just maybe, you are the person who planted that seed that years down the road is finally going to blossom. My grandfather growing up, we we took all of our lawnmowers and weed eaters and rototillers and everything you could use on a farm slash land if you have any to do any type of work every time something broke down we took it to the carpenters 
the carpenters. And I mean years, decades. From the time I was a small boy till he closed up shop, we took our stuff to them for them to fix. And my grandpa would share his faith and he'd invite them to church and they would say no. And they would say no. Not going to do it. She was, she was willing. He wasn't really ready. But it didn't stop. Every time my grandpa would share just a little bit more and a little bit more and invite and invite and invite. And then one day we're sitting in Northwest Baptist Church and who comes in but the carpenters? Decades. Man was baptized in his 70s or 80s. I don't really remember which. It's never too late, guys. It's never too late. There's never someone so far gone. There's never someone that can't be reached. There's never someone that can't change. There's never someone that can't evolve. There's never someone who can't hear about Jesus and have Jesus completely transform their heart. So don't stop telling your story. You don't have to be perfect people. You're not perfect people. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. There's very few of them in this world. What you do have to have is a story to tell and a faith in Jesus that cannot be shaken. And if you can live your life in such a way that says, I believe and I'm willing to share and I will live my life according, then you will make a difference. You may not see it. You may not know it, but you are changing lives. And in this season, in this Christmas season, when people are struggling, when people are hurting, when they don't have a reason to go on, when they feel like it'd be better to not be here than to be here, when it's whatever it is, this hope can not only change a life, it might just save a life. Share your faith. And if you're not willing, then question your faith. You share your faith. If you're not willing to, then you better start questioning your faith. Because if you can't tie your name to it, I don't know what it's worth. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now in this moment today and I lift up each and every person in this room. Father, you changed lives. I know you changed lives because you changed me. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Of the sinners in this room, I am sure that I am the worst. But yet you forgave. And still, God, you pursued. And even now in this moment, you are changing me. Every day, I become just a little bit more like you and a little bit less like me. And God, that is a good thing. And I know I believe. But I also know that I'm not perfect. And I know that even as the pastor of this church, there are times where I have opportunities to share my faith and I don't. Worried about how it might be received. Worried about what people might think of me. What a fool I am. Lord, we have a message of hope, one of love, one that is inspired 
by our faith. God, our stories have the power to transform lives. My prayer is that we leave this place today knowing that we can make a difference in the lives of others and that we continue to show your love and to share your love with the world around us. They don't deserve it, but God, neither did we. Neither do we. And still, you fight for us anyways. Still, you love us anyways. You are here for the least of these. God, give us the courage of those shepherds after being greeted with the birth of your son. May we go forth and tell everyone we see about what has happened to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand with us now and let's worship. If you need to uh, pray uh, with us, uh, with me, come do so. Um, I'm going to have Ashley, can I have you stand back behind here? And uh, Chase, can I ask you? I'm going to have you actually swing over to this right side. I'll be right up here up front, and you've got two options there in the back. Come find one of them. They want to pray with you this morning. Um, I know some of you are hurting. I know it because you've told me. Um, I'm hurting sometimes too, right? We all hurt. What better uh, gift to have than to be able to share those hurts and to, to, to share that pain with, with your brothers and sisters in Christ who want to pray for you and want to be here for you. If you would like uh, to talk about salvation, if you we need to have that discussion, what does it mean to commit your life to Jesus? What does it mean to accept him, accepting Him as your personal Lord and Savior? Let's do that today. If you'd like to come and join our church and be a member of our church, uh, we want you to, to come have those discussions with us after service as well. Otherwise, stand right now and let's just worship God because He is worthy and He deserves it.